Hello everyone, Michael here. Just to give you a quick little heads up, because we're talking about Mortal Kombat, the movie, this time around, that means we are going to be discussing a little bits of the blood and gore uh, in this depicted in this movie. So if that makes you uncomfortable, maybe go ahead and skip this episode. But okay, thanks for watching, and on with the episode. Hello, <laughs> and welcome, <laughs> hello, and welcome to Combat Casters, a podcast about heroes and crab, where we analyze the motifs, combos, and special moves and fatalities of your favorite film and television game heroes, and everything we say is in a mid-90s, uh, like, blood font. <laughs> my name is Michael Ruiz. And my name is Joe Tomlin. Welcome to Champion Casters. <laughs> I have a question for you today, Joe. Shoot. Were you allowed to play Mortal Kombat as a kid? No. No? <laughs> I was not allowed to play Mortal Kombat. I lived in a good Catholic household. We were mm -hmm. not allowed to have anything of violence. Now, DC versus Mortal Kombat, totally fine. You know? Yes. When, you know, the video game where you could, like, tear people's clothes down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was totally okay. But um, I think... I remember playing that at your house, like when we were first becoming friends, like in ninth grade, you know, mm -hmm. maybe yeah. that like transition from like eighth grade to ninth grade kind of area. Yeah. Wild. Mm -hmm. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I was not allowed to play it, but I would go to Fred of the Pod Austin's house um, and I would play Mortal Kombat there. And whenever I was around, I would always, oh, the characters I liked playing... I like playing Johnny Cage. He's a staple. Of course. Uh, I actually like playing Katana. Okay. You um, love it. I like playing Katana. Uh, and I like playing Raiden because you could he just shout he just shouts across the screen. And <laughs> it just, just it's just thunderbolts and mm -hmm. it's just, just <laughs> it's just so insane. Like mm -hmm. what is, why is he screaming like that? And I could just mm -hmm. spam that back and forth. Mm -hmm. Um anyway, yeah. I imagine you were allowed to play Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I was. I don't know if it was one of those things or my parents just didn't think about what they were putting in front of us or they just figured it was one of those like uh, areas where they felt like they were being cool parents by letting us do this. Because I do remember a moment where I was going to get uh, specifically Mortal Kombat Armageddon. I was in GameStop and I, I you know brought it to the counter and I had a moment with my mom where the, the GameStop clerk was like, this is M-rated, are you sure you want it? Because I was like 12, which, you know, looking, thinking back at what, like, 12-year-olds look like, I sure must look very little. And they were like, hey, like, are you okay with, you know, like, like blood and violence and gore and all that? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and I remember, like, a solid beat passing before the clerk's like, okay, and then, like, rang it up. <laughs> and so, yeah, I don't know how or why. I do know that I was allowed to, or maybe it was just because I had older brothers, and so they knew that there was no, like, keeping it out of the realms of my uh, hands anyway. But, yeah, when I was little, I used to play specifically, I used to play Reptile when I was a kid, because green, how can you not? But as I got older, I think I started to play, maybe just because his combos were the easiest to learn. This is a this is a slight Michael tangent, but I, I'm 
okay at fighting games as in like i can get invested in them and spend time enough with them i've never gotten to the point where i get like tournament good where i wouldn't get past like a second or third round but i really like that and so as a result i got really good with Liu kang and like specifically the, the newer future ones which kyle and paul make fun of me because they just say my personality is the same as Liu kang oh, so rude it's rude it's it's yeah especially because he's like specifically he's category he's like characterizing these new games is like kind of being like a little bit of like uh like a naive idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a lot of affection for this series, and not like not to get ahead of ourselves for the today's podcast because we're gonna be talking about the new Mortal Kombat movie. The also the old movie was something that like I specifically spent many hours, many a blockbuster rents, just sitting there and just you you put that shit in, you just pop that shit in, and then you're good. You are good for a whole ass afternoon and like the following hour because you have to run around the house like air kicking. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. I I know the feeling you're talking about, but I never experienced it explicit with explicitly with Mortal Kombat because I mean, if I wasn't allowed to play the game, why the hell would they let me watch the movie? Which in hindsight yeah. is a very very silly movie. <laughs> it's it's extremely silly. It's wild what we put up like. I guess to kind of give a quick history lesson for those that might not know, Mortal Kombat was is like the is like pivotal for video gaming in that it created the ESARB system, where like there's like footage of Congress being shown images of Mortal Kombat and then passing regulation to force video games specifically to have to put like ratings on their games because of the blood and gore, the blood and gore, uh, the pixelated blood and gore in the uh, in the game. Yeah, I mean, like, kids, if they saw that, they would probably go around trying to rip out people's uh, spines. Yeah. Yeah. As they we, would just as do we it. all know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The violence is is almost uh, cartoon-like. Yeah. Genuinely, when you think about the things that they're doing, it's honestly not too far off from Looney Tunes. <laughs> like, seriously, in terms mm-hmm. of, like, what the what is actually happening, you're ripping out someone's spine. That probably happened in Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. but that's true it, but it wasn't it wasn't as you know realistically looking because what mortal Kombat did was that it photographed real people into the game right mm-hmm. yeah um that's a real person's spine they just ripped out yeah oh boy okay but i guess we're getting ahead of ourselves we'll talk about a very silly violence in a, in a bit because what did uh who are we talking about today joe i think his name is cole i don't remember honestly <laughs> Some guy named Cole Young, who has probably a grand total of like 50 lines in the new Mortal Kombat movie. What do we know about Cole? Um, He's got a family and he's going to fight for them. Yes. Yeah. That's what we know about Cole. Yes, he's a descendant of uh, of Scorpion. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoilers. Oh, I, I guess spoilers. You're listening to like probably an hour long podcast of Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah there's spoilers for this movie. Um... <laughs> Can you spoil this movie? <laughs> nah. So, <laughs> so yeah, Cole is like a descendant of uh, of Scorpion, who's locked into battle with Sub Zero. If you played a game, you probably got the hints of that. Even I got that, and I didn't even own the game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so Cole is like a descendant of Scorpion, and Sub Zero is from this place called Outer World, and Outer World has defeated earth realm in nine out of ten mortal combats and now outer world is trying to cheat the game before the next mortal combat 
by killing yeah. all the all the uh, champions <laughs> who are uh, who are supposed to enter the tournament. Mm-hmm. We never actually get into a Mortal Kombat tournament, right? That never actually happens. No, it's like the weirdest decision this movie decides to make. Like uh-huh. it's like they keep talking about the tournament as if it's going to happen, but then it never happens. Yeah. Instead, we have to be we have to suffer through a main character with absolutely no personality. Cole is Cole is a blank slate. Like what's even weirder is that he is like in like he's in the most like generic background character clothing the entire movie. Well, he's surrounded by, like, Sonya Blade in her military fatigues, Luke Kang in his, like, monk outfit, and Kano in his, like, like, mercenary gear, and he just looks like a dude in a hoodie. <laughs> he's just... Yeah. It's sometimes not even that. He's just wearing a black tee. A black tee. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get that he's supposed to be, like, the, the quote-unquote normal one, but it's just... Why? Like, this, this movie's kind of over the top, and I feel like that's when... This movie is really working mm-hmm. because it's just embracing how over the top it is mm-hmm. and silly and like ridiculous. Like the plot of what's going on is 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 like currently happening, which is like yeah. Like long story short, I don't understand why they did just continue to make Liu Kang the original character, like the main character. He's the main character in the games, and I actually kind of like this version of Liu Kang because similar to his personality in in the kind of the more modern interpretations, he's kind of like very serious. While also like being funny without directly intending to be funny, I or maybe it's just all like the kind of like uh, stoic charisma his actors putting into it. But I think Liu Kang actually comes across pretty well. And I was like, why don't, why aren't you just our leading man? Like, why did we need to invent an entirely new character for this for this uh, for this story? You know, or, or frankly, why not Sonya Blade? Sonya Blade has a much more compelling arc in that she isn't a chosen one. And then she yeah. has to, and then you know she fights to 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 take that title because you know Sonya Blade definitely deserves to be there. She has her background with Jax, who she has a personal relationship with, and mm-hmm. that's compelling. Um, in fact, speaking of Jax, once Jax showed up on screen and was interacting with Cole, I I thought to myself, oh thank God, someone with a personality. <laughs> 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 and then Jax, like you know. Um, if you played the game, you know, Jax is a person who just has really big mechanical arms. Um, Mm -hmm. he, in, in like within the first 20 minutes of the movie, Jax's arms get uh, frozen off and destroyed by Sub-Zero and Jax Mm -hmm. is like incapacitated until like the last third of the movie. He like skips the second act entirely. And that's a shame (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I think, I I think it would have been, I think it would have been more fun. Yeah. No, he at least has a. Per- he feels like he at least has a perspective, or at mm-hmm. very least, he's fun to 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 watch on screen. Mm-hmm. So as a result, like, why not let Jax be there more often? Because, yeah, like Cole, he's just <laughs> he's just there's nothing to him. Mm-hmm. It's like the movie forgets about him. He kind of just sits in the background. He might laugh a little bit, mm-hmm. but during like kind of heated moments. He generally doesn't even have lines or, like, tries to be the wall other characters bounce off of. Mm-hmm. He's kind of just there. He's really the plot device. So we get to the fight between Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Because I guess I, I guess the thing we haven't addressed yet is, like, the one of the best parts of the movie is, like, the first, like, 10 to 15 minutes of the movie where mm-hmm. it's Scorpion's backstory. Yeah. Uh, and we're set in... Uh, 
like centuries in the past in Japan when uh, mm-hmm. Sub-Zero kills Scorpion. And it's like the writers had a great idea for that and they didn't figure out how to do the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they created Cole and Cole kind of just serves as, this, as genuinely as a plot device. Like Cole will like do nothing. The, the plot will like other characters will drive the plot for a while. And then when Cole shows up, then Raiden shows up and it proceeds to explain to Cole and the audience something that neither of us knew. Mm-hmm. And then that propels the plot even more forward. Yeah. It's so strange that they chose to go with the plot in this manner. And I, I joke with I like jokingly tweeted about this that I feel like some Scorpion main must have been the one writing this script. Because like they're they're pulling on the established MK lore in that, you know, Sub Zero, uh the Shirai who leads the Shirai Ryu, and uh Sub Zero who leads the Ling Kuei, uh they have this kind of like they have this long rivalry with one another where they're kinda of constantly at each other's throats until one day uh, the Lin Kuei kind of, like, break a treaty or something they had, and they go and they kill Scorpion's family, which is the plot of the movie, until, like, the... I feel like there's, there's like, normally the agreed-upon twist that, no, it's actually people in Outrealm kind of fucking with them and, like, stowing conflict in our world to kind of, like, get Earthrealm to tear itself apart, and that's kind of, like, part of the conflict. And they, like, weirdly don't do that, and as a result, they make Sub-Zero this, like, big bad. Yeah. You know, specifically the... If, I mean... Joe, you'll have to stop me in this episode if I get too deep into Mortal Kombat lore nonsense. But it's specifically Bihan, more of the older Sub-Zero, who will eventually become Noob Saibot, who, like, gets to just kind of be, like, a face to punch? And if you, I guess it just feels weird that, like, they somehow took the one, like, little bit of nuance in the, like, vanilla writing, and then they took that away. And then as a result, it's just exactly what you think it is. It's just oh, hey, these two dudes are fighting and their two clans are fighting each other. But don't worry. There's going to be a descendant who's going to settle the conflict. Kind of. Yeah. It becomes, and like, it tries to like explain like there's like this chosen one ness mm-hmm. to Cole. Like this is the prophecy that Cole will return. And mm-hmm. the prophecy is never exactly like explained to us. And, and the consequences of that are it's like what's a prophecy sub-zero is gonna fucking die like that's it yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay and then even at the end of that you know our big bad and forgive me for not knowing the lore what is what's his name again talking about shang Tsung? yeah shang Tsung. he's just like even at death it's just another realm mm-hmm. uh, so it's like okay so i guess the prophecy is just sub-zero is gonna enter the death world and now he's gonna be like a zombie to fight in the next movie um if there is a next movie <laughs> yeah that's a, that's a big if this movie this movie is one of those that swung hard and was like oh we're definitely getting a sequel we're leaving with the cliffhanger baby <laughs> yeah because uh you know as i mentioned earlier um you know johnny cage is one of the original characters from the game it is yes. a really popular one um and he's not in this movie but they tease that he'll be in the sequel um yeah and honestly i think johnny cage would have been a great addition not necessarily as like a main character as some people are kind of proposing. I think Johnny Cage's presence and just like self-awareness, especially as like this is like a Hollywood movie version of the video game, I think would kind mm-hmm. of be pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because we have a pretty fun character um, with Kano. See, I see people keep kind of talking sugar about this motherfucker, but he's kind of just like, he's kind of just an asshole. No, he is. 
He's absolutely, okay, he is sexist and he is racist. He is a piece of shit. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But at the very least, he is, like we said before, we want people with personality and he does have a personality. I guess he just, I guess it's like a, I remember, I also remember thinking at a certain point, like, he's just feeling the same page of being a kind of a comic relief wink at the camera that Johnny Cage would normally fill, except like he sucks. Right. And then it's, and then I feel like we're just waiting for him to kind of turn on the group. And I just, I, it just feels like a weird beat that they plotted out. Also, occasionally Cole will also kind of point to how silly things are. And it like doesn't work. And it's like not because I think his actor is bad. I just think he's probably got some like really bad direction. And it's like, here, read this line in a very tongue in cheek way. But like I feel like the the camp Kano works in a tongue in cheek manner because he is also over the top and silly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The whole concept is everything yeah. is over the top and silly. Yeah. Everything should have been played for jokes. Having a character who is self is and like that's the problem. It's inconsistent writing for Cole's character. Cole is a very self-serious character, so when he has tongue-in-cheek moments, you, it, it kind of feels like out of left field. If Cole had the personality of Johnny Cage, then this then this could have been ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. The one thing about Cole that I feel like they could have kind of leaned into is his style of martial art, which he's like he's you know he's clearly like an MMA style fighter. And I thought the movie was going to lean a little bit harder into that mm-hmm. because I, I I don't hate that idea that he has a unique kind of like martial arts in this movie that's just about watching people punch each other. But mm-hmm. he doesn't even really get to do all that all that much. Like nope. when he fights Goro, I kind of like it because it's like, oh, finally, that's right. But he like forgets about it for a whole like two acts before that happens. Yeah, it's like the implication is that even though he's a fighter, he's still not as strong as people with Arcana. Which is like the way they explain that people have weird shit in this movie, like yeah. giant mechanical arms or shooting fireballs or a laser eye. Or in Cole's case, he uh, going going to what you're saying about his experience in MMA, Cole ends up unlocking his arcana as someone who basically takes uh, <laughs> it's essentially Black Panther's suit with vibranium, where he takes hits and then he's able to deal <laughs> that damage back. Mm-hmm. Um and use the uppercut use the yes oh my god um that line yeah so like that's kind of cool's arcana and but the thing is there's a joke at the beginning of or like uh, a line that said to cole at the beginning of the movie by like his trainer whoever allows him to work at a gym uh just saying that he doesn't know how to like fight and defend implying that Mm -hmm. he does one over the other we then get mm-hmm. to see Cole in an MMA fight, and he is all attack for a while. And then mm-hmm. he just kind of gives up. Yeah. So the arc would be like, Cole needs to learn how to defend. And there mm-hmm. really isn't that there really isn't that arc for him. When he's training with the other characters from Earth Realm, he isn't quite learning defense. No. In fact, he's told be stronger. <laughs> yeah. Like it, those those fights are explicitly tailored around the idea of becoming stronger and unlocking certain parts of of a specifically offensive capabilities, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess you could say that him learning to defend his family, which is like a drive he already kind of had, yeah. Which I, I, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that like the reason why he he will kind of like drop at a, a, a you know drop at a hat 
to go and kind of participate in these fights is because they're down on their money or something in that in that realm even though like i guess they have two houses like they have a house then they have the other house that's like a remote location oh yeah you're right yeah it's (laughs) whatever right but i guess you get that vibe from him if they were if they were at all in conversation with that or just about the idea of like trying to find a certain type of balance in you know defensive versus offensive in a fight you know in in the realms of a fighting movie that could make a lot of sense mm-hmm. but we don't ever really hear him talk about that he just then becomes the 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 sounding board for everybody else's abilities you know mm-hmm. like in specifically his fight where he like you know where they're all training in like the little like sand pit yeah I don't even remember, like, what he, like, specifically failed to do. He just kind of gets his butt kicked. And, like, that's, that's like, all that really got said. And he, because then he got his arm cut by Kung Lao. And then Liu Kang was, like, healing him a moment later. And that's what I remember about that. I'm going to be straight up with you, Michael. You lost me halfway through. There's just so <laughs> much shit going. There's just so much shit going on in this movie that... <sighs> It's all over the place. <laughs> it's there's there's so much happening and none of it is of substance. None of it is of substance. So you're kind of just sitting there listening to quips in between, commenting mm-hmm. on how ridiculous everything is and hoping that the next fight is going to be cool. That's kind of what my <laughs> experience was. And, and and here's the thing. Even at that, I would say only half the fights were cool. <laughs> D- totally. Somebody said that, like, this game is, I mean, sorry, this movie is really replicating being a, a fighting game because in a fighting game, you were just watching your character, like, whoever character you're playing go from, like, point A to point B, and then you just see characters get into fights over the littlest shit because they want to have token gameplay. Because it's like, oh, you're playing a fighting game? Why wouldn't you punch each other? Like, oh, you walked into this room when I said you shouldn't. Let's throw hands for two rounds. Yep. And that's exactly what this movie feels like. Yeah. Except at the end, they all start doing their fatalities. I know this might not be the best example, because I know these fights aren't meant to be realistic. But these these fights are really short. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't go on long enough. Like, they just they just start punching each other for, like, maybe, like, a minute. And then one of them does their fatality, and you're like, Okay, I guess that's it. Yeah, there isn't enough tension uh, within the fights. And that's also due to um, rather fast editing cuts within the fight sequences as well. You know, Mm -hmm. we've talked about this in other episodes of our podcast um, because, you know, we like action movies. And a good fight needs to be grounded. We mentioned that in Mm -hmm. our our Godzilla versus Kong episodes. And, you know, when you have superpowers, you need to ground that within footing. And within mm-hmm. the way in which characters physically interact with each other and how you show one character gaining the upper hand over the other. You don't want it to look so much like a dance. You want to and like, but you want to make it feel like people actually have stakes. And especially with a thing like Mortal Kombat, where you have the ability to show people getting fucking hurt mm-hmm. during a fight. They didn't do that. I, yeah. You never felt stakes during any of these fights. I think yeah. actually the only fight that I felt stakes in um, were, were the last couple fights was the fight yeah. between Kano and Sonya and Sonya Blade, and mm-hmm. the fight between you know Sub Zero, Scorpion, and Cole. Like that's it. Everything else yeah. I didn't really care about. Yeah, 
it's like the first and last fight are the only two. Which oh, yeah, we, and the very first just, one, of course. Mm-hmm. Which, like, of course we're just waiting for Scorpion and Sub-Zero to fight each other. They're they're banking on that type of... They're banking on specifically that. They're banking on that so hard they wrote an original character to be tied into Scorpion's lore that didn't exist prior. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I was I actually wrote down in my notes when I was writing it. It's like, this movie jump cuts a lot, especially during the fights. And every now and then it holds, and it looks awesome. And, but then it jump cuts again. It's like, I'm watching a Marvel movie, except there's more blood and gore. Yeah. Which, and sometimes, like, to the movie's credit, every now and then it does something kind of fun with it. Like, I like when Sub-Zero, uh, yeah, when Sub-Zero pulls, like a, like, a bit of frozen blood out of Scorpion and stabs him with it. It's like, oh, yeah, that. That's the type of, like, silly, over-the-top kind of violence I'm here for. Because it's not actually that violent. It's kind of just, like, in the way in which people bleed, but they have, like, limitless amounts of blood in their body. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, it's like taking something and being creative with it, right? Yeah. Um, it's that creativity fight. It's when, you know, when Sub-Zero creates a wall of ice with his foot and then throws someone through it. Yeah. Um, or or um, at a moment that I remember is, oh my gosh, Michael, you're going to have to tell me his name. The guy with the hat. <laughs> Kung Lao? Kung Lao. When Kung Lao uh, does his fatality with a spinning hat on the floor, oh. like, a, like a buzzsaw. Now that was cool. But once yeah. again, like the tension leading up to that moment, I didn't quite feel it. It kind of com- feels like it comes out of nowhere. Um, yeah. And it doesn't last as long as it can to really like mention it. Because I can't even say that that was a good fight. You know, I yeah. just say that was a good moment in a fight, but it wasn't yeah. overall a good fight. Yeah. I mean, it's good just because one, that's like an iconic fatality from from Kung Lao. And I think a lot of people really like it as a result. So, like, why not put it in the movie? It's, you know, it's good. It's like, it's unique to his power set. It clearly has the very visceral reaction, which as I'm now just realizing this, maybe we should put a content warning for gore at the beginning of this episode. But it's, you know, it's, it's, while also being like silly too, because he's like, yeah, he's like, like snowboarding her into his hat yeah (laughs) so i think that's like a perfect like yes yes but like she also like just happens to fly in and it's like i'm here and then he like gets on top of her and then like immediately goes into the snowboard it it's just so fast it's too fast Mm -hmm. it's like they were afraid of everybody getting bored you know yeah you know funny enough uh i think uh some of us did end up getting bored did you Were, were you like sincerely bored when you're watching it I would say in the middle of the movie, yeah, yeah. I was bored once. Um, once they got to uh, Kung Lao and Raiden's hideout, it wasn't. It wasn't until uh, the other world villain showed up where I'm like, okay, this is this is, I guess, interesting. Yeah, no, hundred percent. K, um, not Kano. Who's uh, Cabal? Cabal was interesting, and once again, like yeah. they, they're like Cabal has a history with Kano, and it goes nowhere. It goes literally nowhere. Yeah. Or well, Cabal is the one who convinces Kano to to join other to join the other world side because we all saw Kano yeah. turning because Kano's an asshole. Yeah. Um, but having them fight and like understanding their relationship, they didn't dig that out even more. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting when Cabal shows up because he kind of has. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but he has like a Chicago accent. Yeah, he does. Is that? <laughs> I don't know, it's like interesting like i guess i don't ever really ever 
clarify where he was situated before he, you know, he became Cabal. But like, I remember just hearing him talk for the first time and being like, okay, that's a choice. <laughs> <laughs> we have this guy, he's like, I have a relationship, I, Chicago accent guy, have a relationship with Australian accent guy. Yeah, just like, yeah, we're just two guys doing accents at each other. They feel more like they're improv friends. Yeah, they really <laughs> they're do. They're just like, all right, and scene. I'm a guy with the, you know, a gas mask face and two hook swords. And you're a dude with an Australian accent and you're like a mercenary. Okay, and go. <laughs> but also, it kind of works. <laughs> it's so stupid it works. I don't want to say the movie was afraid to go stupid. It definitely mm-hmm. did. It just... I think the movie became intimidated by having so many characters and trying to figure out motivations for all of them. Yeah. And trying to have enough action sequences. Because mm-hmm. once again, all of these fights are one-on-one fights. Yeah. We don't have group fights, really. Yeah. Um, because once again, they want to mimic the game. But I think having group action sequences, I can't believe I'm like using this as like a pinnacle of an example, but... The the airport right. f- the airport fight sequence in Captain America Civil War, <laughs> in that like that that is a fight sequence in which a group of people are together and you still and like through the action you're still able to have good moments of fighting between individuals. Mm-hmm. You don't quite often see multiple people on one person, but you can still understand that all these people are fighting at the same time. Yeah. And it feels like one big fight and that like logically makes sense and narratively makes sense. And I couldn't help but feel like that's what they could have done for the tournament. That it's like, this is, that's the twist is like, this is supposed to be a tournament, but really all hell breaks loose. And you Mm -hmm. still get the tournament aspect by having, by highlighting one-on-one fights for a few minutes with each people. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. All I know is that I'm, uh, they could have done so much more with Cole. They they could have, and I feel I feel like you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Like they could have they could have still had the tournament, and it's, it's bringing up that uh, the MCU stuff. I feel like even though the jump cuts are a big problem in the MCU too, but at very least the camera knows how they at very least know how to tell a cohesive story in it and mm-hmm. tell like a long tracking story in that way. If the MCU kind of knows how to do one thing right, is to set up other things. You could argue that it doesn't know how to tell its own story while it's happening, but it knows how to lead one thing to another. <laughs> so <laughs> much that you at least find it coherent. And I think that's the that's the other problem with these fight scenes, is they're not always coherent with one another. And that like someone gets like knocked into something and we cut back to something else. And you're like, oh, okay, so we're back in, we're back with the uh, Sonya and Melina. Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think the movie's so it it's funny that much like the MCU, it is so obsessed with showing off all the kind of iconic characters that it has. Because like MK has a big cast of characters to pull from that it feels like they wanted to show all of them off, but they didn't want to actually spend time like they they're just hoping you know, right? They're just hoping you're familiar with this and that's why you're watching this movie. Which, mm-hmm. admittedly, for me, I'm like, ooh, hey, ooh, hey. I'm like that. I'm constantly like that Leonardo DiCaprio meme pointing at the screen. But even so, it's still just, oh, Cabal's here, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he's he's just he's just he's just doing things, and he's fast, just like he is in the game. But nothing more than that. It's all just. It's like it's like somehow they made fan service even emptier. Yeah, you'll hear. Um... 
or I'll hear comic book movie fans and comic book fans just be like, you should rather just like, it's probably better to just read the comic book than it Mm -hmm. is to actually watch these movies to get a cohesive story. And I can't help but say that you would have more fun just play Mortal Kombat than watching this movie. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you know, another thing, too, is that I don't think this movie knew what type of fighting movie it even really wanted to be. Because going from, like, Liu Kang versus Cabal to Sonya versus Kano, mm-hmm. those were two completely different fight scenes, right? One's, like, a CGI mess and, like, kind of floaty kung fu-style movie. Because, like, naturally, that's that's Liu Kang's fighting style. And then when you go to Sonya and Kano, they're very grounded and they're very, it's like a born ultimatum where they're like kind of like grabbing and locking each other. But the jarring doesn't make both fights feel like distinct. It just makes it, it just makes it jarring, you know? Yeah. There's no like cohesion in like overall tone. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I think you hit a key point there. And I think that's probably part of the problem. They either the writers or the fight choreographers or the director really had a hard time figuring out how to make all of this work together. How do I make something that's like a fantasy action sequence coexist with a grounded action sequence? And that's probably due to like choice of characters, Mm -hmm. but they wanted to like make this grounded and probably get that sweet, sweet military funding (laughs) by having Sonya Blade and Jax and uh, as characters Mm-hmm. Um, when really they 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 probably should have gone with uh with just other super high fantasy uh Mortal Kombat characters for the entire thing and have just Cole be your only grounded character and that's his arc is that he enters this magical world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he also does something kind of spectacular by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Because well, I think like the one fight move that I actually kind of giggled and like kind of in in glee about. Was when Liu Kang did his bicycle kick. Yeah. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, there it is. That looks cool. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that was like the one thing they did well. <laughs> mm-hmm. And of course, I just like Liu Kang. And that's generally what you're hearing here. But I think I think the movie kind of hit that perfect balance in those fights we're talking about. You know, with Scorpion versus Sub-Zero. Because their fighting is just enough actual martial arts mixed with the over-the-top action mm-hmm. of both their like special abilities and their weapons. Yep. Mm-hmm. And like, how can you not, right? Because it's like, they have such iconic weapons between all of Sub-Zero's like, you know, ice weapons and Scorpion's uh, like kind of like throwing kunai. Like, why not? Like, why not like kind of keep leaning into that? Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe they just wanted that military funding. So they're like, let's throw in our two. We have, we have like two, uh, we have two military people. Why not? We'll throw them in there for good measure. Well, I mean, to be fair, they're both really popular characters. Of course. Of course, I'm not advocating that Sonya and Jax not be in the uh, story. Uh, I mm-hmm. like both of those characters. Maybe I just want Sonya to get her, her glowy her glowy circle sooner, you know? Yeah. Jax had big arms from the get-go. Yeah, like, this this movie doesn't work too much when it's, like, you know, at least of which they're, they're trying to have lots of very shallow, like, social critique at the exact same time. That, like, naturally we can't touch upon too much, mostly because I don't even think this film does it well. Like, between, you know, Sonya being the only, like, woman on Earthrealm's team and her, like, being not allowed, uh, mm-hmm. Jax and, like, his uh, arms 
and Liu Kang and Kung Lao and Kano, like how Kano's like constantly like being like being blatantly racist to them. Like they're they're trying to go for some like really weird like social critique at the same time and it it's not it's not saying I don't think it has a place in Mortal Kombat. It's just that like this isn't I don't think this was the way to do it. Yeah. No, it was it was very haphazard and mm-hmm. it's difficult like one of them should have been the main character, you know, if they wanted to if they wanted to make that the social critique. Yeah. Um it's a uh... It's a mess. This yeah. movie's a mess. This movie is a mess. It's what makes it even almost hard to talk about a little bit because it's so over all over the place. And like, I find myself even just like now that we're just kind of sitting here talking about like just remembering little things about it. Like, did you even, when when Cole eventually got his 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 Arcana? Did you even think it looked cool? I was like, oh, it's just the man got gold chainmail. Okay. Yeah. It's fine. I think the <laughs> part of the problem with that is that action sequence took place in the dark, and that's a very bright mm-hmm. and colorful. Uh, it should be a bright and colorful costume. Mm-hmm. Um, it relies a lot on light, and so. But once again, the reason why they did it, they they made it dark, is because it's easier to animate. Um, yeah. Uh, gosh, what's his name? What's his name? Michael, what's his name? What's his name? The big arm guys. Goro? Goro. Prince Goro? Yeah. It's easier to animate Goro at night. So mm-hmm. that's why they chose to do that. But that really suffered for Cole's, uh, I guess, transformation. Mm-hmm. Which should have coincided with a character beat. Yeah. And it didn't. And that's the frust- yeah. that's the frustrating part. <laughs> it's like it's you like they forgot guy. they had a main character. <laughs> They're like, oh my god, right? Yeah, we we gotta. This guy has to have motivations. Um, honestly, like whenever I saw him on screen, I just thought of Ike from uh from Super Smash Bros. And you know how his <laughs> line is, "I fight for my friends," and he says it so unenthusiastically. That's what it felt like. I fight for my family. <laughs> like, okay, all right. <laughs> the 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 way that it's justified is that oh, Earth Realm is is uh, the Earth earth realm is threatened with other world he's like well my mm-hmm. family's there well i gotta protect my family <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's it that's his motivation it is it is the most a to a arc i've ever seen <laughs> we started with a man who likes his family and he ended liking his family <laughs> yeah there should have been some conflict at the beginning like that yeah. that probably would have made this feel so much more uh wholesome and uh mm-hmm. And meaningful because then as he's like as he's like away in other world that could be framed as like oh he's like abandoning his family to fight somewhere else and then you know he comes back his yeah. choice his choice to go home isn't about self-pity oh man i'm weak because <laughs> that's his choice <laughs> to go home um which- Yo, can we talk about how raiden's like fuck off my guy you're useless <laughs> Yeah, Raiden. Yeah, Raiden or Raiden is seriously just like you're weak. Your bloodline sucks, and uh, <laughs> you should just go home because you're gonna. Everyone, you are going to die, and you're gonna make other people die. So, just mm-hmm. go home. <laughs> Which uh, rude as fuck, Raiden. Uh... <laughs> he's like, he's like, I saved that baby. Like, how many years ago? Also, you know, also we could lead to you, you useless sack of shit. <laughs> 
It's like the movie is making fun of Cole. Yeah. I feel so bad for that actor. I do too. I like don't want this to seem like we're ragging on his actor because I do. I think he does a fine job with what he's given. He's just given nothing. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. He, I, like I said, I like, I legitimately think Sonya has more lines than he does, you know? And Sonya, Sonya actually has an arc. Yeah. (laughs) That's why I I guess I said this. I'm not sure if I said this on or off camera, uh, on or off mic. I'm not sure if I said this on or off mic, but Sonya should have been the main character. (laughs) Yeah. Totally, right? Mm-hmm. They should just pick, like, why not just pick one of the characters? Like, there are, there are characters who are a little bit more of the, like, tongue-in-cheek variety in the series. Not all of them are over the top, so you could have just easily kind of gone with that, right? Like, why not just make all of them campy in that way? If that's if you're going for that kind of campy cheese. Mm-hmm. But instead, they were just like, no, Cole's got this. Hit <laughs> him with the uppercut. Yeah, so I guess, okay, let's talk about that for a second, because you haven't quite yes. addressed it. This movie handles like the video gamification of this um, mm-hmm. pretty poorly as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so what I mean by that is there is a long history of video game, of Hollywood not fucking understanding how to make video game adaptations. It's funny, because people would say like one of the best video game movie adaptations was the original Mortal Kombat movie for a while. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Detective Pikachu came out, and that's pretty good. I actually oh. like that movie. Um, some Me people too. really like Sonic. I haven't seen it. I hear it's okay. Future but, episode. Wait, future episode. Um, but for for this movie, and, and and what I mean by the video gamification of uh, Mortal Kombat 2021 is that they shoehorn in like video game moments solely for the purpose of like referencing this thing. And it doesn't mm-hmm. requ- and it doesn't have any context. It's just because it's a thing that they pe- know people will recognize, and they're hoping people will pay the price of a movie ticket to go see. Mm-hmm. And that's you know lines like uh, Cole's daughter shouting, "Do the uppercut," because mm-hmm. that replicates what it's like to have a friend backseat game you. Yeah, down and- triangle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, lines like um. um like shouting fatality mm-hmm. or I am sub zero or, mm-hmm. or like or, Scorpion. It doesn't even make sense for Scorpion's name to be Scorpion in this movie. He's like, I travel through hell and back. I am Scorpion. That is an actual line of dialogue in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just because, Oh, this sounds like something that happened in the video game. Once people might want to hear that, you know, I think the only time it actually worked is the get over here. Yeah. Mm hmm. What about you? What do you, what do you think of all those weird cheesy ass moments? I I feel like you nailed it right on the head. That they're, they're trying really hard to. It's it's. I mean, it's like we said earlier, right? This is they somehow made fan service even more flavorless, right? Like because mm-hmm. it's even if you're gonna go for something like that, it's basically kind of banking on the idea that the iconography and the pure emotion of it is enough to kind of get people freaking out about it, right? That this is such a visceral, guttural reaction you'll have to this that you'll forget that it's not really doesn't really make sense for the context of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, or like the canon of what the story of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But I didn't feel that way either. The only time I like really felt like I had a moment that was close to that was one like one seeing like the iconic moves from the game, 
or two, like, I remember at the very end of the movie, Scorpion Sub-Zero, as they're kind of sizing each other up, they kind of stand, like, looking at each other, and they both, like, raise their fists as if they're taking the traditional fighting game stance of, like, one person's on the left, the other person's on the right, and they're kind of going into, like, an idle animation. So, like, there was that, that was like, oh, okay, they're doing, they're doing fighting game stances, sure, that's kind of fun. Other than that, it, it just, it, I guess it just felt like it was attempting to cater to my gamer sensibilities, you know? Which yeah. is not a word I, which is not something I want anybody to do ever. <laughs> it, and what's frustrating is like comic book movies have kind of figured out how to make that work. How, how, yes. do, how do they create fan service that still like functions for character and the, the story that the movie is trying to tell or the show is trying to tell? Yes. And video game, for some reason, executives and writers and directors have not figured out how to do this for a video game like how to make this just seamless into the plot yeah it's 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 uh it's annoying like you said before you mentioned how like fatalities feel kind of better i don't um i didn't feel that way about the fatalities when i saw Mm -hmm. them with the exception of the the uh snowboard buzzsaw i i just whenever they would happen i'm like okay i know exactly what you're doing here and, you know, to some extent, I, I should kind of expect that for literally a device that comes out of nowhere. You have to mm-hmm. like a character is like about to fall over in the game and you have to perform a specific button combo to then do to then create the animation for a, a fatality. Yeah, but I couldn't even enjoy that in this movie. Yeah, no, I I think I agree. It's one of those interesting things that as gaming has become a little bit more cinematic blurring that line and people have kind of com- people have kind of in conversation about the the more games kind of take on movie elements the more we're kind of straying away from what makes gaming like game video games in particular as an art form so special <laughs> and i feel like this is a little bit of what happens in the other direction of when they're trying so hard to remind you that this is based off a game it it, it just it just starts feeling shallow and it's like, I don't want to make this seem like we're expecting too much from this movie, but I do think it's worth mentioning, like, as someone who's like, I don't know if it's become apparent over this last hour of listening to me talk about this movie, I like this game series. I really like this game series. Possibly too much. It exists in my brain in ways I wish I didn't. You know, I I forgot an answer to an exam I was on, but boy, do I still remember the combo to do Reptile's Acid Spit on, like, the original MK machine. I don't know why that'll be in my brain forever, but I'm taking that shit with me to the grave, you know? <laughs> so it's it, it can't do much, but there's something that's just even 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 getting that cheese and even getting those like kind of like guttural visceral reactions right. I just I don't think this movie even did that, right? It's because I think Okay, I've cracked the code. I realize why Hollywood sucks, Michael. Um, Lay it on me. The reason why Hollywood sucks is because they haven't figured out that video games and movies are essentially like they're the same process. And what Mm -hmm. I mean by that is when you're in a video game and when you're in a fighting video game, you create a story with the friends around you that when you're when you're fighting this game and you're inserting yourself into that story, there are action beats. There are there are moments of tension um, that go along with that. And that's the same way when you're creating a movie and you're writing characters, you're creating action beats and tension. Yeah. And the problem is, is like whenever they take video games, they're like, oh, no, no, we can't we can't do that anymore. We can't have tension. We can't write stories. We can't have characters or personalities. We just need to mimic. And that's. Gosh, 
That's just a damn shame because I would love to have more Detective Pikachus where they're like, this is yeah. Pokemon. This is technically based off of the Detective Pikachu midi franchise uh, within mm-hmm. Pokemon. But it's its own thing. And Pokemon fans will love it. Yeah, and it's because they chose to, cr- to write their own characters and they still mm-hmm. they still made other characters within the world work. Yeah. This, it's interesting, too, that with, when I'm comparing this to Detective Pikachu, I remember something people said they wanted from Detective Pikachu was they wanted a Pokemon battle, like a po- a proper Pokemon battle, which you kind of get at the end, but you don't get you you don't get uh, you don't get Tim actually like calling out orders to Pikachu. You get him kind of reviewing Pikachu's moves right before he goes into the cage match. But that's really it. And maybe this is the kind of the prime example of that. And. Like why you can't you can't make that move, right? Because at that point you would cease to you would cease to be making a movie at that point, right? Then you're trying too hard to familiarize yourself with the game. Because I do feel like this, like like you said, I do feel like this movie has thought about elements of the game that work really well. You know, because there's even that gag where Kano's trying to fight Liu Kang and Liu Kang keeps sweeping his leg. And then Kano's like, is that the only move you can do? In the same way that someone gets frustrated when you start spamming, right? And you're like, uh, uh, like stop, stop shooting your fucking like fireball. Like, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you're cheating, right? Like, and you're cheating solely to Sundia. I don't know how to navigate around this tactic versus anybody who's trained knows how to get around uh, spamming. But that idea, that, like, kind of, like, tension that gets built in that moment, that is a story. I think you're absolutely right that, of course, like, how many times do you have the moment where you're playing with someone? It's like, oh, I have, like, one hit point left, and they just have to, like, breathe on me, but somehow I still pulled it out. And that becomes, like, your experience with the game, right? Mm-hmm. And that is almost like how a fight in a movie should work, where you're seeing both characters kind of get beat to the point of near, you know, near exhaustion and near being KO'd until one eventually claims victory and there's that tension. But I, it, it's even stranger because it's like, I feel like good fight movies just do that inherently. And somehow this movie didn't do either. And it had all the pieces in place. It mm-hmm. just, it just didn't. Yeah. <sighs> well, Joe. What do we have to say about Cole Young? Just like Godzilla and just like Bucky Barnes, he is not a worthy champion. <laughs> He's, not. <laughs> He's not! Sorry, Cole. You ain't getting the champion belt. You may be the champion of Mortal Kombat, but you're not the champion of our hearts. But he isn't, though! <laughs> you're right, he isn't. <laughs> He is like a champion of Earthrealm on a technicality, you know? Mm-hmm. Because Raiden's like, oh shit, I messed up. Like, oh, text clipboard. Oh, you don't seem to actually belong here. Just get the fuck out. Oh man, you've proven yourself worthy by having special abilities? Come on back, friend. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you've proven your worth to me. Okay, come on back. Yeah, this is... You're good now. High fives. Good job. Which, like, I guess you can make a case that Raiden, in even in the games, is kind of an asshole. But also, like, we never, we don't even see Raiden fight. He does his final, like, bolt at Shang Tsung, but that's it, right? No, we, we don't, don't get see to Raiden see him fight. yelling and screaming and, and shooting across the screen. It's very disappointing. <sighs> it is. That's a good word. Disappointing? Yeah. You know, you know what, you know what this movie feels like? A bad matchup in Mortal Kombat. You're playing against a friend who just really doesn't know how to play the game at all. (laughs) 
Yes, I would say that. But I would also say this is the equivalent of when you are, you know, you've been practicing your fatality for at home for a while. And then finally you're at a party and you win your round. And then everyone's like, you know, you get to finish him. And you're like, eh, eh, eh. and you like keep trying to do it. And you actually just punch them in the face. And then they just fall. And you're just like, fuck. <laughs> no, let me try again, everyone. Let me try again. I promise I can do this. <laughs> That's what this movie feels like. Yeah. I give this movie uh, two out of ten dropped combos. Damn, damn. I might, I might say four out of ten dropped combos. I, you know, I didn't find it unbearable to watch, but would I really pop it in again? Probably not. I'd rather give the original a shot since people praise it so much. Yeah, it is also extra stupid too. Plus, you get to see that '90s CGI. Yeah, but I feel like there's a charm to that. Yeah. Yeah, like it, it hit, it's hit that point where it's so bad looking that it just it it's extra it's extra better now. Yeah, it's a comedy. You're not. Yeah. You're, I'm not looking for for the original Mortal Kombat for a pure action movie. I'm looking. I'm looking for a comedy. Yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I guess that's gonna do it for us this week on Champion Casters. <laughs> you know, I I was I can truly say I was hoping for more, but sometimes you know sometimes. We just dropped the combo, right? It just happens like that. Uh, this movie definitely dropped the combo, and then I threw the controller. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, just a friendly reminder, don't forget to follow us. If you want to hear more of our live takes in kind of a uh, more uh, ready capacity, follow us on Twitter at champion underscore cast, where we'll maybe talk about uh, live tweeting out some of our reactions to the, the ridiculous movies we watch. Yes. Yes, please follow us at uh, champion underscore cast. Follow us on uh, Instagram. We do some things there occasionally. And uh, don't, uh, also make sure to email us. Shoot us an email. Ask us any questions. Give us your thoughts. If you're going to if you're going to shit on us for a take on, on Mortal Kombat, why not write it out in a 10 page email? Yeah, I would love to read it. Mm hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, go get to that, everyone. We love you. And we will talk to you all next week. Okay. Bye. Bitch. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of Champion Casters. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you want to keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at champion underscore cast. You can also email us any of your thoughts or questions at championcasters at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd like to give thanks to the following. Shan Theobald for our logo artwork. Adam Renroe for our intro and outro music. Joseph Tomlin for managing our social media. And Michael Ruiz for editing our episodes. <laughs> and I have been your host, Michael Ruiz. You can find me at twitter.com at next underscore entry. And the video essays I write on my YouTube channel, Next Entry. I have also been your host, Joseph Tomlin. You can find me at twitter.com and Instagram at joke tomlin. That is J O U K T O M L I N. Thanks again for listening, everyone.